We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. God bless you. Um, we are in, in week three of our um, I Need Love series. Anybody being blessed thus far? Um, what's funny is that as, as we continue to progress through this, um, the more I get. <laughs> That's weird, right? Um, I was having this thought um, yesterday about how God, um, every, well, let's look at it this way. Everyone talks about how you must, you know, you give if you love. You give, you know what I mean? God, you know, God so loved the word that he did what? Gave. gave. And everybody takes that and runs. So I got to give, 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 give my love. And I've got to express my love and all those different things. But then there's a scripture where it says that um, Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. He comes out of the water and then God, and then God speaks from heaven. He says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. And I think we don't do a good enough job articulating our love. And I think God did that just so that we could understand that, yes, you have to give it, yes, you have to express it, but there has to be words behind what you're doing. We have to do a better job, and this isn't even in my message. We have to do a better job at explaining how we love, having the conversation about love and saying, you know what, this is what love looks like for me. Our Father, God, did not have to say a word because we knew he loved his son Jesus. But you know why he said it? So that everybody in that atmosphere at that time would know that the Father God would articulate his love about his son. The Father God would do so. When was the last time you articulated your love? I'm getting, I'm getting to some heavy stuff already. When was the last time you had a conversation about how you love your daughter, how you love your son? When was the last time you told them that you love them with an explanation? I think I was talking last week, and I was, I've said this multiple times over the past couple weeks. It's like my father would tell me when I was a boy, you know your daddy love you. Well, what does that mean, sir? <laughs> what does that mean? I want us to, to, to get beyond that, and I promise you I'm going to hit on that at some point. But we have to make sure that not only we express our love. For you, expressing love may be bringing home the bacon, for the lack of a better term. right? I bring home the bacon, I pay the bills, and all that's good, and that's great. But you better tell me. My wife would do this thing with me when we first got, I'm better at it. I'm way better at it now. She, she, <laughs> she, would, she would say, if, if you like me, tell me. We haven't been dating for a long time, but if you like me, tell me. And then I would be on the spot, and I would have to be like, oh, <laughs> you're pretty. <laughs> like, whatever it was. But it's, listen to me. It is, it is so vitally important that you articulate, say the words. If you got to draw it, draw it. <laughs> if you got to write it, write it. But articulate the words, express those things so that they know. Because here's the thing. Many of us will say, and this, I promise you I'm just talking right now. It, many of us would, would, will say, I know my mom loved me. How? It's all action. I want us to break the cycle. I, I, I want us to be able to verbalize how we feel and how we express that. Here's the, here's the bigger thing. When we come into this atmosphere, we've got to be able to articulate our love back to our Father. That is what worship is all about. 
we get to stand here in his presence because, oh gosh, because when we start to sing to him and tell him how much we love him, oh, I'm a, when we start to express those words, then he gets to hear it and it touches his heart. Okay, I can see y'all just want to spectate this morning. It's all right. Let's turn to the book of Samuel, chapter 13, NIV version. 2 Samuel 13, verse 1, NIV version. Look at your neighbor and ask him if they're all right. 2 Samuel 13, verse 1, NIV version. It says this, In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister, Tamar, that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. I want you to put a pen in that because we're going to go back to it. Our topic for discussion for the next two weeks um, is a topic that I, I deem very, very important that oftentimes is overlooked, uh, and that is the topic of lust. Um, I think oftentimes when we hear the word lust, um, we exit the conversation or we say, you can't be talking to me, um, and, and we leave the content alone because we've only heard the word in one context. I would agree with you that the word lust is synonymous with sex. That is where um, lust has essentially made its bed, no pun intended. But the word lust reaches so far and, and reaches so deep and is so devastating um, that I think it is vitally important that we have a conversation here to, to, to fully under, understand that. I think all of us in here sitting here today, nobody escapes this. You deal with some form of lust. I don't care who you are. I don't care what preacher is there. I don't care where he's preaching at. I don't care how many folks have been saved. He deals with some, some form of lust. The reason why I can say that is because um, at, the, at the root of sin, all sin comes from lust. So if, if, if you think about it, we go back to the, to the book of Genesis and, and Adam and Eve are in the garden and, and, and Eve is, is minding her own business and the serpent comes up and he says, listen, that looks good. Doesn't look good to you. And, he, and she says, yes. And he says, well, get it if it looks good to you. And it is lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. And that was the introduction of sin into the world through man. The vehicle that the enemy used was lust. So all of us fall short. All of us sin daily. So here's what I'm trying to get you to understand is that all of us in here at some, at some level deal with a form of lust. And I, I think if the, the enemy knows that if we would ever stop being uninformed about what lust is and the devastation of love, that we would lust, we would finally come in contact with real love and stop being enslaved to lust. So what I want to do today is give us a working definition. I think I put it up on the screen. Write this down if you have a second. It is an overwhelming feeling to satisfy a self-gratifying desire. It is an overwhelming feeling 
to satisfy a self-gratifying desire. For some of us, um, it is just seeing it. For some of us, we have to feel it. For some of us, we have to touch it. For some of us, we have to achieve it. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that it is simply just a desire. It wasn't a sexual thing in the, in the garden. It was just a, an extreme desire to work outside of the boundaries that love had set up for Adam and Eve. It says, I'm going to press past these boundaries and get what I want out of this because I want to satisfy my desire. I, could, I, I just got to see it. I just got to touch it. I just got to feel it. I just got to achieve it. And that is the place that lust pushes us to beyond the boundaries that God has set for us. And the funny thing about lust is that it leaves you with all of the collateral damage. <laughs> it leaves you with all of the pain. And many of us have been suffering for years and years and years trying to figure out why isn't this love thing working out? It wasn't love. It was lust. I want to talk about or give you four ways that we can identify lust. And the first one is the word imitate. Everybody say that with me. Imitate. Um, lust likes to imitate love. Uh, it likes to give the impression to the person being driven by lust and to the person who is on the receiving end of it that it is actually love. So for someone who comes in contact with someone who is being driven by lust, they could be fooled to think that it is love because it feels kind of like love. It kind of looks like love. And, one, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you will fall for that if you've never been in contact with real love. The reason why lust has to imitate love is because it knows that if its selfish intentions are known at the onset, it won't succeed. I'm talking way better than y'all responding. It knows that if I, if I expose myself for what I truly am, I, I won't be able to get what I desire. So it imitates itself as love. I've been, uh, come, come here. Babe. You're looking good today, girl. Mm -hmm. What's your name? It's Tina. I got I to gotta dust my stuff off. I ain't used it in 20 years. <laughs> Name Tina? Yeah. You got a man? You, you do? Okay. Well, I didn't really want a relationship. I just wanted to, you know, use you for my own. Where you going? <laughs> Listen. If lust is exposed for what it is at the onset, Lust knows that it won't succeed, so it uses the attributes of love. Oh, God. So here's the thing. The only time that lust will unveil itself is after you have scratched your itch or you've met that desire. Then it leaves you with the remorse. <laughs> it leaves you with the shame. 
it leaves you with depression. It leaves you with condemnation. And then you're standing here wondering what just took place. I thought that was love and it was never love because lust was acting like love. Lust is a lot smarter than we are. Oh, gosh, I'll prove it to you. Um, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and, and she, we, they eat the fruit. I'm going to say they started with Eve. They eat the fruit. And as soon as they eat the fruit, they feel what? Shame. As soon as they get what lust drives them to get, as soon as they go beyond the boundaries of love, they feel shame. Right? So listen, God, who is love, shows up. And he says, love starts walking through the garden. And he says, Adam, where are you? What's, what's going on? What happened? He says, well, that woman that you gave me, you know, she gave me some fruit. And then he turns to Eve and he says, Eve, what is it that you have done? And she says, the serpent deceived me. It made me think it was something else. It made me think that it was going to give me what I wanted. And whenever lust, oh gosh, if ever lust knows that you know what it is, it won't succeed. She's in the garden and she says, it dece he deceived me. I thought it was going to do something different. I thought it was going to satisfy me. I thought it was going to make me feel better. And now they're hiding from love in the garden. Tell your neighbor, it looks like love. Let's go for number two. The second one is, or the second point that I want to make is take. And write this caption down. Lust takes what love is freely given. Lust takes what love is freely given. I'm sure you've been here a, a time or two, but love is granted like top secret clearance to the heart of man. Love can get into the abyss of a person. I mean, love will unearth some stuff about you that you thought you locked the key and threw the thing away, but when you get into love, when you experience real love, it starts to go real deep. Love has access, and I wrote these things down, love has access to intimacy, affection, vulnerability, friendship, and understanding. It has access to those things. Those things are just a byproduct of being in love and experiencing real, true love. And the reason why love has access to these things, because love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. It does not envy. Lust sees these things, and lust says, well, I want that same access. I want, I want, to, I want to get there. And, and, and the thing about lust is that lust is not patient, lust is not kind, and, and lust does envy. So lust can't get there, lust can't wait for it. Lust will just take access that is just granted to love. It can't wait on it. It can't stand patient for it. It can't, it can't, it can't be granted access that, that, that loves has, so it just takes the access. How many times, ask a question, how many times have you taken access to something that you weren't granted access to? You just took what you felt belonged to you. I'm entitled to this, so I'm taking it. When, when was the last time you manipulated a, a conversation with someone you love to get what you wanted? You weren't granted the access for it. You took it. You, you, you manipulated the situation so that you could scratch that desire or, that, or, or, or that, that, that thing that you wanted because you weren't granted access. Lust will always push past the boundaries that are set, and it will take what is freely given to love. 
the things that we're talking about, friendship and, and intimacy and, and all these different things, these are just byproducts of being in a good, sound relationship, but lust can't handle that. It can't wait to be given access. It just takes it. Somebody shout take. Let's go to three. Let me recap real quick. What was the first one? Oh, say it better than that. Number two was? Number three is addiction. Write this caption down. Lust is a form of addiction. The top three most addictive drugs in the world are um, heroin, crack cocaine, and nicotine. And many of us in here have, um, have had our families impacted by addiction. Many of us have. And we understand um, the devastation that addiction can have, not just on the family, but on the person. Quite like um, these drugs, quite like addiction, um, lust has this desire for an orgiastic, um, euphoric, climactic feeling that it just has to have. And all you do when you're, when you're driven by lust is that I've got to get to this experience. I've got to have this feeling. I've got to get it. I've got to have it. And it's willing to take whatever it wants because it's addicted to it. Now, here's the thing. Many of us sitting in here today would never pick up a, pick up a, a pipe. But you can't drop porn. Many of us would, 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 would never pick up a needle. But you're so driven by your lust for success and your lust for social acceptance that you're destroying your family. You're just addicted to it. So you always find yourself looking for the applause of people on social media because you need something that it offers. When the people in your life are waiting for you and saying, hey, I'm right here, you know, oftentimes people who are addicted to things feel alone inside of a room where there's several people who love them. They don't love me. They don't understand me. They don't see me. So they'll go to a place and they'll try to get that euphoric experience over and over again. Lust is an addiction. Let's go back to my verse because I didn't forget about it. Let's go back to verse 1. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David. Say that with me. Amnon, son of David. Let's say that again. Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he, that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible to him for him to do anything to her. The fourth and final point that I want to make today is destruction. Everybody say destruction. One of the most horrible or horrific stories in all of scripture um, takes place in the house of David. I think we all know David is one of the greatest kings to reside over Israel. Um, he was one of the most accomplished warriors in all of scripture. He was one of the best leaders that, that has ever been written about. As a matter of fact, there are several leadership books written after, uh, after David's ability to just lead armies and lead a, lead a nation. But my question was when I read this scripture was how does a man with so much respect and so much accomplishment allow something like this to happen in his household? 
Tell your neighbor foundation. If you go back to the foundation of David and you look at David um, as a, a, a little boy, we meet him as a little boy, as a matter of fact. Um, Samuel has come to Bethlehem to anoint the next king. And um, you off, immediately, to me anyway, because I'm reading it with these eyes, um, immediately I notice that there are some family issues. Um, just an FYI, David's mother's never mentioned in this whole story. I mean, from, his, from, from him being a boy to his rise to being king, his mother's never mentioned. And I'm not saying that she wasn't there, but at least she was silent. So when we meet David and we meet David's father, um, Samuel shows up and he says, listen, I'm here um, to, to take care of some business. Show me your sons. And, and he, he, he has all of his seven sons walk before him. And Samuel has to say to Jesse, do you have any other kids? Do you have another son? Now, something in me would have said, if I was his brother, bro, we got somebody at the house and they got us walking in front of him. I don't know what's getting ready to take place, but you should come to the house. Nobody tells David what's going on. Nobody says anything to him. His father has to be told to go get your other son. David comes in and Samuel says, this is the one. Time passes. We get to a space where David has now um, been anointed king and his father is still having him do menial tasks. Um, he, father knows that he's been anointed king, but he still has him running, you know, lunch to his brothers. So he goes out to the battlefield and um, he's there to deliver some lunch to his brothers. And, and he overhears Goliath disrespecting God's people. So, so, so David says, well, listen, I'll handle that if y'all don't want to handle it. And his brother starts to hate on him. Brother says, man, what you doing? Stop running. I'm going to go back and take care of those sheep. David says, listen, I got this. He gets three stones and his sling, and he takes one stone and he hits Goliath, and he is now one of the greatest warriors in all of, all of Scripture. Here's the thing. He is now thrust into the limelight. He is thrust into being a man. He is thrust into a relationship. He is thrust into having children, but he never had a foundation of love. So now as a king, he's walking on the rooftop of his, his, uh, his palace one day, and he's just walking, and he's feeling the pressures of life, and he wants to feel love, and he wants to be loved and extend love. And he looks up, and he sees this woman taking a bath. And he says, I want that. So David has her husband killed just so he could have what he saw, lust of the eye. What started as a, a shaky foundation turned into a look for David, but it grew into raping of a sister in David's family, which ended with a brother killing his brother, all because the foundation of love was flawed. All because the foundation of love was flawed. And David didn't know it. He didn't know. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. These kids are fed. These kids have everything that they need. They live in the palace. Everything is good. But you never hear him talking about love when it comes to his children. Because David never received love. Whenever there is a flawed foundation, a cracked foundation, things grow through the cracks. And now this horrific story takes place in the house of a man who was revered. Here's the thing. Me and my wife pray about some all kinds of stuff when it comes to our family, our children. But there are some things that you don't even know to pray. There are some things that you don't even know to cover. 
Because here's the thing. I would have never thought that my broken foundation of love would have turned into me being driven by lust. I would have never thought that. So I'm thinking as long as I just establish a family and as long as I'm just nice to my wife and as long as I'm good to, to my children, that's love. No, that is not love. It hasn't been built on the right foundation. We have to understand that the enemy wants to keep us in the dark about what we think is love. And we're being driven by lust. This is the point that I want to give you, and I want you to write it down like this. Lust will destroy what you birth. Lust will destroy what you birth. Wanda, are you talking about children? No, I'm not just talking about children. I'm not just talking about a family. I'm talking about any relationship that you get into. It will destroy it. Why, Wanzel, will it destroy it? Because lust cannot give. Oh, gosh, y'all. It takes so much of me in a relationship to make sure that a relationship grows and it builds and it and continues to be what I want it to be. I've got to give to it. Lust only takes. Lust is going to take whatever it wants, and it will leave you with the collateral damage. Listen to this, the text. We're going to talk about the text next week. But, but David hears about what took place in his family, and he was angry about it, but he didn't do anything about it. Why? Because he didn't know what to do. He had no idea this kind of stuff would happen in his family. He had no idea that what, what simply looked like just a broken relationship between a mom and a dad and a son and, and, and some siblings would grow into lust and would grow at some point into death. He had no idea it would get that far. What I'm trying to get, get you to understand today is that we have to learn to start connecting these dots. Because the enemy will continue to fool us to, in, into thinking that this is love. This is what love looks like. And I'm here to tell you today, lust can't give. It's, it, it's impossible for it to give. All it can do is take. There are many of us sitting in this space right now that we thought it was love. And all it did was kept taking from us. It, it took from us so much that it left us broke. It left us poor in spirit. Oh, gosh, y'all. It left us to the point where I don't even know what I'm supposed to do now in this relationship. It's taken so much from me. And I don't even trust love, to be honest with you. You telling me God is love, I don't trust him then. Because love has hurt me. It wasn't love, man. It was lust. Stand to your feet. I said at the onset of... Uh, us having this discussion today that we're going to sit here for two weeks. Um, I think this is something that we have to come to grips with. Because lust is, 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 is smart. Um, it's, it's subtle. <laughs> it doesn't come right out and say what it wants. But when you find yourself taking from your children and taking from your spouse and sucking up everything out of every relationship and leaving people dry, it's lust. And the enemy would have us to think, Wanzo, it's only, it's only sex. You know, it's sexually driven and all. Yeah, it's made us bad in sex. But it goes and stretches so far. So there are many of us sitting here today who said, well, Wanzel, 
um, I'm that guy, I'm that gal. I've been dealing with this all of my life and I haven't known why. And I've been, I've been trying to figure out how I get this thing off of me. And there is only one person that can handle you in your totality. And that is God. And, and when it comes to him, he is not going to take anything from you that you don't want to surrender. You see, I've been dealing like this. I've been, I've, been, I've been exchanging like this for so long that I don't know anything else. And what is that going to look like, Wanda? What is that going to feel like? And all I want to say to you today is that if you're willing to surrender it, he'll take it. And he'll, he'll replace it with you. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.